Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kisik is beautifulfeathentertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, beautifulfeetentertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week we're doing a movie review um, for a movie that came out in 2019. And the movie is... MIB International. Man in Black International. Um, this kind of just came around, not, I don't want to say by accident, right? But we were kind of just sitting around and we, we happened to like get the movie from the local library and we were like, hey, maybe we can do a podcast episode on this. So it wasn't really a planned thing, but it kind of just happened. Well, and we had, we had quite a bit of a laugh because... Every time I would be like, hey, do you want to watch MIB International? I'd say, hey, did you want to watch MLB? You know, because like Major, Major League, League Baseball. Baseball, like they have an international <laughs> movie. I mean. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, it, but, so that's what we're talking about this week, uh, this episode, and we just kind of wanted to kind of share our views, share our thoughts on it. First of all, I'm a huge Men in Black fan. And as you always say, can you, um, before we continue, can you give us like a synopsis, a little recap? Just like... Of international? No, of the previous films so that people kind of know. (laughs) Okay. So, Men in Black is a government organization that does not exist. Um, Basically, they monitor and and, uh, handle like all alien activity and we're speaking about aliens from space. Um, it, the original trilogy... So not like a Ghostbusters kind of vibe? No. I mean, they do... So, what, so basically what they do is they're a government organization that, like, they monitor, you know, uh, aliens, right? So sometimes if an alien's, you know, they are acting evil, mm-hmm. they do have to handle it that way. But most of the time it's like, okay, they register them, they, they know where they live, they just kind of keep tabs on them. Um, Mom, just, you had said also too that um, MIB in the previous movies has usually taken place in New York. Yes, they all take place in New York except for this one. This one takes place uh, Paris mostly. Um, and also Marrakesh. Marrakesh, yes, which is in we we looked it oh, up. Oh, we remember? talked about this. Oh my gosh! It was South America. No, no, no I said it was North Africa. Sure, like, we'll go with North East. Africa. Anyway. We might have to Google it. <laughs> So, the original trilogy uh, starred Will Smith and uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. And um, it also had uh, Johnny Knoxville was in one of them uh, as, a, as a side character. We had uh, Rosario Dawson, uh, who was probably one of my favorite characters, even though she was such a small character. Um, Rip Torn is in, uh, in there as well. Uh, as kind of the head of MIB in the first three movies. Um, yeah, and kind of the first three just kind of um, follow Will Smith's character, who in the first movie, he's brand new to the organization, so he's kind of learning everything. Uh, and then the second movie is uh, him, you know, kind of being the leader at this point, because Tommy Lee Jones had, his character had retired. And Will Smith took his spot. Um, And then the third one, Will Smith is still in that lead role. But he had to go back, find Tommy Lee Jones. Basically, it was a time travel type situation. It was pretty fun. Um, This one is entirely new cast. Uh, Nobody from the original movie is in it that I can think of, that I noticed. 
Uh, this one stars... Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Where do we know Chris Hemsworth? Hmm, he I wonder. Is... <laughs> he is Thor. Yeah, he plays Thor. Uh, he's also been in a bunch of other movies, but he's most known for Thor. And I have to say, like, he was looking good in this film. You like the shorter hair? I did like the yeah. shorter hair. Yeah, I think we got so used to seeing him as Thor with the longer hair, like, that when you see him with his hair cut, you're like, alright, dude, you don't even look like the same dude. Um, now where do we know Tessa Thompson? You said she was also from, from Thor. Cause she, she uh, plays Valkyrie in the, uh, Avengers movies. But there's other movies that she's in that she's known for. I'm kind of testing you a little bit. Oh, dang it. This is a movie you really liked. Is it Fantastic Beasts and Where no, to Find Them? Because that's Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Um, <laughs> let me give See, you one you more talked hint. about this. <laughs> it's a movie that's a spinoff of a, one of my favorite movies. Um, Cricket sound effects. I don't know. Spin-off of one of your favorite movies. Oh, oh, I know this. Okay, okay. She's in Creed too. She plays yes. the girlfriend. She's the girlfriend. Um, you know, wife <laughs> in Creed and Creed Two. Uh, she's also, you wouldn't know this. She's in Veronica Mars. Mm. She plays Jackie in Veronica Mars. So, which Anthony has been rewatching, but I have not because I was like, "Whoa, this is too much. really uh, <laughs> too it's really much for her. kind of dark um, adult content." Anyway, yeah. So that movie, that show is is heavy. But back to the movie. This movie, um, what were your thoughts before we give a synopsis? Before we give thoughts, what were your initial thoughts going into the movie? Okay, going into the movie. I kind of thought it was just going to be like a fun film, which it was. There's mm-hmm. nothing like super serious about it. Um, as we were watching the film, I found like some parallels between that and Aquaman. Like when they had the scene when they're dropped in the desert. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember what you're talking about. Like I, that kind of just gave me yeah. Aquaman vibes. Um, yeah, I mean initially going in, uh, when I first heard about the movie, first trailer comes up. And I was like, okay, that's cool. It, it, it was one of those things where I was like, I didn't want them to make a sequel. But the fact that they didn't, it wasn't necessarily a sequel. Like, it was a spinoff in the sense of, it's like MIB, but it's international. It's not focused on one place. You're still within the same universe. We're just exploring some places that we have not seen before. Yeah. Um, and we have to laugh and tell them what I thought about the Eiffel Tower. Go ahead. Okay, so they have a scene, and it's at night, and I'm like... It's pretty early in, oh. the, in the movie, too. I'm like, what? what's wrong with it? Like, is it on fire? And you're like, no, honey, they light it up at night. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's got lights on it, or, you know, within it, and she sees... She kind of... You think you were looking at it something, does, so... It, was, it looked like it was just glowing. It didn't look... Bright. It was. It was glowing because of the way the lights are. Um, well, and then you could see, like, the hive or the little spaceship or whatever, so I don't know. Yeah, so... I was really confused. Let's see. I had another thought. So my, my first thoughts on the movie, uh, I thought, okay, this is going to be fun to watch. I like the fact that it's not a direct sequel. It's kind of, like I said, it, 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 it's at a different place in the world. So it's just a same movie, different branch, basically. Um, and I liked it. You know, that, that gave me the reason to not expect Will Smith to be in it or Tommy Lee Jones or Rip Torn or whoever from the original movies. Um, cause nothing bugs me more than when you have a sequel and everyone who's in the original is not in the sequel. Um, now how do we feel about the actual movie itself? Let's kind of break the movie down. I really loved her character because... Oh, her character was great. Early on, like, she has this encounter with an alien as a young child, and that just spurs her on this career path where she wants to be able to work for the MIB. Um, And she's grown now, but she's literally in, like, a call center environment, right? Yeah. Well, so, basically... Okay, so, yeah, she has this encounter as a young child... Where she meets an alien, uh, and she quickly befriends it. She's not trying to hurt it. She's not freaked out. Um, and when the MIB would normally like, you know, wipe the person's memory, 
it didn't wipe her memory. It wiped her parents' memory, but not hers. And so her whole life, she's, she was the weird kid who, like, I believe in aliens. And, and one thing about the MIB is they do not, um, they don't hire people. They recruit people, and then they basically wipe you off the face of the earth because you're not supposed to exist. So she sneaks her way into their offices. Yeah. And Which I thought was clever. Yeah. I, I really thought that was clever. Go ahead. It looks like they're going to throw her out, and she's like, no, please don't. And then, you know, they, they are, they have this wonderful subway scene. I really enjoyed how they played that out. That was really good. So, yeah, she's on the, like, so she basically convinces them to bring her onto the team, and they decide <laughs> to do it, uh, what's the, what, who's the leader's name? Emma Thompson? Yeah, yeah. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. So she brings her on board and basically says, look, you're on a probationary period. If after a certain amount of days, I think it was 60 or 90, mm-hmm. um, we will fire you or we will let you go. We will wipe your memory. None of this ever happened. And so she's kind of on thin ice the whole movie, but I loved her character. It was a fantastic character. Well, because she is a very strong female character. She doesn't always need rescuing. She has street smarts. Like, she can handle her own in a fight. And we, we should probably... Um, one of my favorite scenes in the beginning kind of kind of sets up her character. She's in an interview for the uh, FBI. And I get, you know, they're like, oh, you're really qualified. You you know, you've got great stats and great whatever. So obviously she's qualified for the job. She's not just a nobody off the street. Uh, and then they, you know, they're like, well, but you never, you never filled out the question that says, what's your special interest? Like, where do you want to work? What department of the FBI? And she goes, yeah, I did. And she put other, because she, she didn't want to. She didn't want to say Men in Black or... Because yeah. I don't think she knew the full name of it. It was just she knows this organization exists and she wants to work with them. And then she does the same thing for the CIA. And it was a fun little, like... You can tell she's qualified. It was a fun way of exp- showing it and not explaining it. So... Throughout the course of the film, as sometimes happens, they acquire this this cute little sidekick character named Pawnee. Yeah. Explain what he looked like. Okay, Pawnee is like super small. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like a cross between the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland and like the brownie character from Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. You know, the little, the one with like the mushroom head. Yeah, a little bit of a mushroom head, yeah. So he, like, he's part of a live chess set, air quotes, and his queen has been vanquished. So he latches on to this M, M played, um, played by uh, Tessa Thompson, and he becomes like she becomes his queen. His queen. He will do anything for her. Now, as a sidekick, he had some funny moments, but there were times where I did find him like a little bit intrusive slash annoying. Yeah. And let, let's talk about. Um, Chris Hemsworth's character. Hemsworth. You know. You mean what I know. So let's talk about his character. So whereas M is a probationary agent, Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth's character. See, now I'm having trouble I'm trying, with to, it. I'm trying to remember what his agent name was. It was like J or something. Yeah. We're just, yeah, okay. No, it wasn't J. No. Anyway, we'll just It don't matter. Him. Is it K? What is his name? They talk about it on the island because it's no, it's H. It's Agent H because it's, it's like H. it's not Harry or something. Anyway, um, for those of you who might not be aware, in MIB, your agent name is just Agent, and then the first initial of your first name. Yeah. So, Mister Chris, Agent H, he is not a probationary agent. He is. Someone who has already saved the world previously, and that's where you see the whole Paris thing for the first time. Because the Eiffel Tower does become a plot point. Yeah, and so the movie opens up with uh, Agent H and his partner, who I don't remember his name, but it was Agent something, um, saving the world in, uh, at the um, Eiffel Tower. 
And the main premise of this movie that you can find from reading the back of the box is that there's a mole in the MIB. Yeah, so somebody's basically feeding uh, Men in Black like uh, information to who would be considered enemies. So they're trying to figure out who it is. Um, other than that, I mean, the movie was pretty basic. It was, you know, it had funny moments. It had times of action. Um, I feel like it was a solid what you would think of as a summer blockbuster, but it didn't stand out in my heart as like, oh my goodness, I really need to watch this again and again, you know? Yeah, it, it was definitely one of those that... Um, Sorry, we just got an email. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that in a little bit. But it was definitely one of those movies that like, I didn't fully get invested in, but when, when my mind was fully engaged... I enjoyed it so I definitely kind of want to watch it again to be like hey what did I miss now, here's the problem with our setup for some reason when we play a DVD you got to crank that bad boy up to a hundred oh to even God. slightly hear it right so like when we're watching regular TV like Netflix or another streaming service we could have a TV on like 25 and it's fine I usually have it between 30 and 40 but I like yeah for me it's 25 that's just anyway so, but when we put on a DVD, sometimes we do. We have to crank it up to like 90. And we don't know why that is, but, um, and I think we also had the fan on because it was blazing hot. Yeah. So, I had the noise of the fan going. I'm trying to listen to the movie. So, there's probably a lot that we missed. I guarantee, like, if we watched it again in a, in a cold, dark room with no sound, with just the movie, mm -hmm. I know you're like, that sounds great. It sounds um, amazing right now. So, if we did that, I feel like we would have a different movie experience. But I thought, I actually enjoyed this movie. It didn't hold up to the original, but I didn't expect it to. I expected, like you said, just a quick blockbuster where you, where you invest about two hours of your time and you just leave and it was an enjoyment. Well, and I feel like one thing that we were disappointed in was the fact that Will Smith did not make a cameo in this film that we could see. Come on, Mr. Smith, where you at? And and they, they even set it up where... Because he's they, such an iconic part of this franchise. He is the franchise. Uh, but he what they even set it up perfectly to where uh, Agent M uh, was being moved after toward the end of the movie... Because she obviously, you know, she impressed her, her boss and she became a full-time agent. But, and it, I like the fact that they had ups and downs, but we're going to talk about that. Um, she gets moved to New York and I was like, man, this would be the perfect time to do something as simple as she walks into an office, says hi to her new commanding officer who is Will Smith. Like, it could have been that simple, you know, but... Because, again, the timeline of when it takes place, his character would have been in M MIB. Mm -hmm. It's not like... I don't It took. I don't think it took place... It took place in, like, 2000... It was, like, 2018. Yeah. He's still... You know, I think he still would have been in. But... Do we want to talk about some of the minor characters? Like Rizzo, the uh, terrible arms dealer who... 100%. She, um, she and Agent H had a bit of a romantic past... Yeah, uh, go ahead and break that down real quick. Okay, so in the course of the film, we see that the aliens are trying to be able to get onto this piece of technology, which, which is a very powerful weapon. And so that's what brings them to Marrakesh, is because they make a connection, or they try to make a connection with this arms dealer whose name is Rizzo and she like she's an alien she looks more humanoid though and then you realize that she has not one but two sets of arms and her and agent H like they had a romantic past so he's trying to bring her Pawnee as a peace offering to like be able to get more information about the weapon and Obviously, their ruse becomes uncovered, and the fight scene happens, and even though she was a minor character in the film, I just really enjoyed how um, they did give her character layers. Like, apparently, 
one of the things that she liked to do was to collect rare things. So they put Pawnee in this glass jar and they're like, oh, he's the last of his kind, you know, to try to appeal to her sense of the collection for the exotic. Um, and that's also where you see this cameo appearance from the alien who was there when the probationary agent was a little girl. Like, they meet and they chat a little bit and he ends up going from working for the arms dealer to giving them help and assistance so they can get out. So, yeah. it was. I just... I enjoyed that part of the film. Yeah. I mean, like I said, all in all, it was really good. I think the funniest part to me... Um, had to be in the desert, right? Yes. So, basically... Uh, Agent H, Agent M, and Pawnee yes, are Pawnee. traveling um, from, I don't know, what, 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 I forget where they were traveling. But basically they end up locked up, well not locked up, but stranded on a desert. Um, and the, the vehicle that they were riding in basically got destroyed and they're trying to rebuild it. Um, and that's when they discover the true depth of and complexity of this weapon that they have. that they were given so yeah. the movie kind of lines up where they go to meet this guy that they had an appointment with he gets attacked and hands over this little like crystal looking thing and says this will keep you safe and that when they finally open that up they realize what it is and they're kind of messing with it i think it ends up being a weapon right oh yes. so it ends up being this really powerful weapon and they're in a desert and it blows a hole into the ground, almost making like the Grand Canyon size. Like, this is not just a small little, like, hey, I dug in the sandbox. But like, my this is a huge indentation. But my favorite bird. thing about it is the simple fact that it was, um, it basically was like H and H going, oh, nobody's gonna notice this, right? Like, and we come to find out Agent H, um, he kind of didn't have mentally everything together. He, he had a reputation for being an amazing agent, but sometimes you notice he would make decisions that put them in harm's way mm -hmm. instead of protected them or the people around them. Well, that could also be an ego thing, too. Like, he didn't want to admit that maybe they needed help. Yeah, he, that was definitely part of it. Um, the other side of that coin is the fact that... Um... um is the simple fact that that mission that he was on in the very beginning didn't actually happen. Mm -hmm. He was basically, you know, or it happened differently than he remembers. And his memory was wiped and replaced with this really nice memory. So he was under the impression that he knew all this stuff and he didn't know as much. And because his, uh, once he figured that out and he figured out uh, what the actual memory was, that's where they figured out who the mole was. Mm -hmm. Because throughout the course of the beginning of the film, they kind of set it up like a red herring. Like the mole was going to be another person from who it actually ended up being. Again, I don't want to blow the ending of the movie for you. Um, so let's go. Is there any other thoughts about it? And then we can say if we would recommend it or not. Yeah. So let's see. I'm trying to remember. I mean, all in all, I mean, it was... It had what you would expect from an MIB movie. It had random weird characters. It had fun little action sequences. I like the, I like the sequence um, where any part of the car you touch is like nine guns within it. Yeah. So like you you always like that. You pick up the hubcap and there's like ten guns in there, and you move the mirror and there's five guns in there, and you move the uh, light, you know, like the 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 headlight, and all of a sudden you pull out this giant rifle, and it's like okay. That's pretty creative. Um, you know, uh, Agent M had a fantastic character. She's probably one of my favorite characters. Like, there's something about, like, strong characters, especially strong women in movies that I'm just like, yo, I back that character up. Well, and I feel like there might have been some romantic tension between them, but it wasn't it like, was, it oh, was, you're so it was, wonderful. It wasn't a centerpiece. It might have yeah. been like a puzzle piece, but it wasn't. But what I also like is, in this movie, based on the viewing that we watched, like, she was such a strong character, and he had weaknesses, but he wasn't a weak character. 
Because mm-hmm. sometimes in movies, in order to make, especially female characters, look strong, they surround them with dumb male characters. You're or weak of, male uh, characters. Ghostbusters. I'm very much thinking of Ghostbusters. <laughs> and the, it's the same actor, by the way. It is, but he, he makes a good dishy, dishy person. That, that, was his, that was his point. So, but I like that. He, he made mistakes and he made bad judgment calls, but he was a, a solid agent. He was a solid character. Same thing with Emma, uh, Emma Thompson's character. Yeah. You didn't see much of her, but yeah. you can tell she was a strong character. You know what I mean? She was like, I'm, I'm, I rose to the ranks of MIB leadership because of my marriage. Well, and um, I feel like the clothing style that they use, because everyone I, is very similar, she does have a, a, a little bit of a cut above. Like, her suit is a little more feminine, if you notice. Are, are you talking about H&M? No, I'm talking about Emma, Emma Thompson. Thompson's character. I don't remember her character's name. I didn't like her, her suit, though. See, her collar went like all the way up to her ears, Joe. I was like, "This is too high." I think I liked the fact that her suit was distinctly different. So I, when she, I like that. When she walked into a room, you could tell that she was going to be the commanding presence. Yes, I, I just there were certain details to it that I was like, I don't understand. But the fact that her suit was different was cool. Uh, but for the rest of the agents, they do have solid black suit. The same suit. But then again, when, again, when we're in Marrakesh, when they're with Rizzo, you get treated to Chris Hemsworth character in like this. A leisure suit. It, well, no, it's it's like khaki pants, and then he has a light oh, shirt on. Oh, I know on. what you mean. And in the course of the fight, it gets kind of ripped a little bit. So I mean, I would. Yeah, recommend it on that. that alone. But it, one of the things that I also like is yes, they wore the the solid black suit. But when they went to the club with that one character who gave them the... The, the weapon? The weapon. Yeah. Because um, Chris Hemsworth's character was like, look, I know these guys. They don't like suits. Basically, they don't like people who are rigid. And he's like, so take off your tie. Kind of unbutton your shirt. A little, not, not provocatively. It's just a, for comfort. Uh, and he did the same thing. And it was more just a kickback. Like, we're just here to hang out. And I really liked that. That they were able to go, okay, we're not going to be strict MIB agents we're gonna we're gonna relax for a minute take off the tie roll up the sleeves kind of make yourself look more comfortable so recommendations what do you think um I would say if you're looking for some summer fun then definitely this would be a good thing to check out I'm trying to think if there's anything that would keep it from being super family friendly you know, like, I don't remember strong language. There was not strong language. Or anything super overtly provocative. Because I'm a big fan of movies that I could sit down and watch with, like, anybody. Whether it's kids, parents. Like, I'm definitely in the family-friendly category. Like, I have a few films where I'm like, okay, I would never watch this with my well, parents. And, and, but... his, and his, the Men in Black franchise is very well suited for everybody. Right? So I feel like that does tip it in the scale for its favor. Yeah. I, 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 would, I, I would recommend this movie. If you're just looking to have a good time, just a kickback movie, even a movie that like, hey, we know we're going to sit and talk through, mm-hmm. but we are going to, like, you know those times where you're sitting and watching a movie, but you're also, you're also visiting with the people who you're watching it with, so... You're paying attention, but you're also talking. This is a perfect movie for that. Because, yeah, you're going to miss some details, but it's not going to be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's pretty basic. So, I appreciated that. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know before we go to our break? Uh, yeah, just feel free to, uh, you know, hit us up at BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Beautiful Feet Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we're going to keep posting stuff like this. We have the whole rest of the year planned as far as podcasts. Because I'm the Uber planner, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, she is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll be right back with the Bible study portion of the podcast. So hang tight. We'll be right back with you. This episode of the Beautiful Feet podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book 
of Poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com, at iUniverse.com, and Amazon.com. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. We're continuing our study into Romans. Last week we jumped into Acts, into Romans 4. Now we're jumping into Romans 5. As Jessica says, then gives me hand signals on what to say. Because you always forget what chapter we're on, so I'm trying <laughs> to clue you in. And it's always like, as I'm saying it, I'll be like, Romans chapter... So, so let's jump into Romans 4 just for a brief second and give a quick overview. Okay. Well, as Anthony and I were preparing for this, we realized that chapters 3, 4, and 5 are very interconnected. So in chapter 3, we looked at God's faithfulness, and we learned about the concept of righteousness. In chapter 4, we looked um, about the concept of being justified by faith, and so we learned about the concept of justification. So now in chapter 5, we're going to see how these two things work together through Jesus Christ. Exactly. So... Yeah, they're not separate things. They actually are going to be working hand by hand, basically. Uh, we are in Acts. Why are you saying Acts? Because Romans did, chapter 5. We just did an <laughs> entire series on Acts. If you're new to um, listening to us, you can go into our archives and listen to that as well. But we are now in Romans. Yeah. Forgive me. I'm awful. I don't... Yeah, we're going to keep going. <laughs> so, so, Romans chapter Chapter 5. five. We are actually going to focus on um, not only Romans 5, but we're going to dig into the life of Adam and kind of what happened with him. So we're also going to be visiting Genesis chapter, I think it's 3, right? Yes. So, so um, for those of you who were with us last week, you'll remember that we looked at the life of Abraham, and now we're going to be looking at the life of Adam. So we are going to be going back and forth between the book of Romans and the book of Genesis. Dun, da, da, da. How are we going to start this out? Okay. Um, well, my Bible has two separate subheadings for this. The first one is peace and hope for chapter 5. And then that's like verse 1 through 11. And then verses 12 through the end of the chapter, which is 21, it looks like. That's going to be death through Adam and life through Christ. Okay, so let's talk about um, your favorite verse in this chapter. I say that 100% sarcastically, (laughs) verses 3 to 5. Okay, so I'll go ahead and read that for you first. It says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we... Go go, go to verse 2 because this started with a connecting sentence and it... I'll just start at verse 1. Sounds good. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Perfect. So, the, the, the focus we're going to be looking at for that section is, you know, where it talks about not only boasting in, in, in the good things that God has given you, but also in your struggles or in your suffering. Now, the reason why I said this is your favorite verse, because as we were reading this, on our time, you like blah. I you, just you. this it's it's just hard for me because I know that like yes, it's supposed to teach you endurance and then that builds character and stuff. But like when you are suffering, you like when you're in the midst of that, you are not gonna want a character building lesson. You're gonna just be like, just let me Get suffer, me out, right? You know? Yeah, and but I love this verse because it is that reminder of. When I'm going through difficult times, like, it's for a purpose. And that purpose may not play out today. It may not play out immediately. But down the road, I'm going to look back on those days that I suffered. 
and realize that that's when I built my perseverance, my character, and where I found hope. So, in I agree with you. In the mean, in 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 that time of suffering or struggling, it sucks because you don't you can't see the forest through the trees. Well, and also for those of you who are new here, um, you might not know this, but hope is our favorite word here in our family just because it is so indicative of looking toward the future. Let's talk about that. Why is that our favorite word? Where did that come from? Honestly, I feel like even before you and I reconnected and became a couple individually, that was like our favorite sort of concept as single people to hold on to. Yeah, so when when I began my walk with Jesus and... That was my word that kept coming up because I needed hope, right? I knew what it was like to not have it, to live a life of, you know, brokenness and and, and broken promises and, and not sure what to do next. Hope was, it's not perfect now, but there's something better coming. That was always what God spoke to me. Where did that come from with you? Well, like you said, just those those moments where we just kind of, we think, okay, it might not be so very good right now, but things will get better. Like, my mom always likes to say, and this too shall pass. Yeah. When you're going through something that's so, rough. And that's exactly what we see in Romans verse 3 through 5. We see that, you know what, hope is there, uh, but in the midst of that struggling, you're going to build perseverance and you're going to build character. And that's going to bring you to hope. Um, well, and... We've looked at what um, like restoration is. We've looked at justification. We've looked at righteousness. That's what I meant to say. So our word we, of the day is reconciliation. And we're like, hey, we wanted to find that too. Yeah, so anytime we, oops, sorry. <laughs> anytime we come across the word in scripture uh, that her and I look at and go, church people kind of know what this means but people outside the church might not know. We like to define it. So in this verse, um, do you remember what verse it was that talked about reconciliation? Um, it's going to be toward the end of the chapter. Hold on here. Do, 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 do. Oh, it actually is not toward the end of the chapter. My bad. It's like verse 11. It says, Not only in this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we're like, okay, let's talk about what that word means. Yeah, so Jessica has um, an old dictionary from when your mom went to college? Yes. Okay, and what, is it like an Oxford, Oxford dictionary? It is the like Webster 7th edition, like, student dictionary. Yeah. And I love it very much. It's a, it, yeah, it's a treasured piece in her house. And so, you can make fun of me for that. I don't care. Like, I really enjoy it. No, I, I made fun of her for it one time, and it was a bad idea. Anyway, <laughs> reconciliation. What does it mean, according to the dictionary? So, the dictionary obviously gives various definitions for each word, but this is the one that we felt that was the closest to the mark as far as what we're going for for this verse. So, to reconcile means to restore to friendship. Hmm, hold on. To reconcile means to restore to friendship, harmony, or communion. So, that would be... Between two different either people or parties or so when the Bible talks about us being reconciled is it with Jesus or through Jesus? Let's look at the verse specifically. Let's verse check. eleven. Uh, it says through through Jesus. Now I can only imagine we're, we're being reconciled with God. We're also being reconciled with people through Jesus, right? So. What that means is at one point in time, you know, us and God, we were opposites. Through Jesus, we are now, like, like it says in, in the dictionary, we're restored to friendship or communion, right? So why is that important in, in this context of biblical reconciliation? Well, and I feel like continuing on, we're going to be looking at the life of Adam Adam is the first person who is separated by his sin from God. Yeah. So, like, 
Adam, initially, like, he was living in communion with God, in fellowship with him, in friendship. They had a harmonious relationship. And through his actions, that separated him and God. Um, so that kind of brings us to the next portion of the chapter. We, we know that in Genesis chapter 3, we see, we've seen that God has created the world. He has made Adam. He has given Adam his helpmate in Eve. And now we have the entrance of the serpent, or what you may think of as like the evil one or the devil. Like he is coming in and being like, hey, so is this really what God said? Let's actually jump to that chapter. Um, I like to, we try to keep everything into context so there's no convoluted uh, understanding of the Bible. So we're in Genesis chapter 3. Do we have a specific verse? Well, I was just looking at the fact that um, in the very beginning, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. So she kind of added a little caveat there, the you must not touch it part. So he says, you will not certainly die. He says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And Anthony and I were talking about this and we were like, I wonder why it is that God did not allow them to be aware of what evil was, why they only knew what was good. Yeah. Um, and we did not come to a specific uh, answer. I think this is something we, we, we want to dig into a little more. Um, but what was the um, what was the overall the answer that we came up with? Well, we went back to the fact that it's important to note that God gave the angels free will because Lucifer or the devil he used to be an angel and then he fell. Um, so that the angels and man like we have the ability to make these choices for ourselves yeah and and of course you know so we have that same free will uh to either choose to follow god through jesus or we can completely ignore it but there's consequences for this right there is no hey i'm choosing and there's no consequences always a con consequence for every choice we make well, and I like how it puts it in verse 16. It says, Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin, meaning Adam's sin. And this is uh, verse 16 in Romans, in Romans chapter, chapter 5. five. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Mm -hmm. So it, it basically lays it out, if you look at the rest of the chapter, we find that because of one man's decision, like because of the fact that Adam sinned, it meant that there were going to be death for the rest of his descendants. But then also, in the same way, because Jesus made the one decision to be crucified on the cross for us, that brings us not only life, but eternal life through him. So here's my question, right? So we talked about how... Um through one action of Adam, and it was a, a not very good action or choice that he made, uh, he disobeyed what God had asked him to do, that carries over to us. How? How does sin carry from generation to generation? Um, I feel like this is kind of interesting possibly tricky territory to wade into because there are some people who believe very heavily in the concept of like generational curses mm -hmm. and I don't really feel like within this context that we're going to touch on that so I'm no. going to like steer away from that um, how does sin affect all of us well I feel like when you're a child you have that innocence much like Adam and Eve did in the garden. Like, they really didn't know. 
But then as you grow older, when you reach more of that, what they would call an age of accountability, you start to learn that there are good things and there are bad things mm-hmm. in this world. Yeah. And as you make those choices, so the way I've always seen it is as you make those choices, if you make a good choice, most of the time you'll get a good consequence. Would that make sense? Mm-hmm. If you make a, a choice against your parents' will or uh, an authority figure, what they wish for you or their will, that usually leads to a, a negative consequence or a punishment. But um, that also, the more times you make a bad decision, the more of a habit it becomes. And you tend, we tend to teach people mm-hmm. those habits. I can't tell you how many times somebody made a bad decision and for some reason they taught that to their kids or to their the people who they have influence over i think that's how sin um has has made its way through every person right we teach it to the next people does that make sense well i feel like maybe we don't teach sin we teach okay here, here's like the rules that we want you to live by. Like when God gave people the Ten Commandments, he wasn't doing that, you know, for his benefit. He was like, okay, these are some, some non-negotiables, to yeah. use a term that was in our uh, marriage devotional that we were reading. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so it's not that we're teaching sin, but we're teaching behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not the only way that sin travels through people. Does that make sense? I think that's one way. Um, but anyway, the idea is Adam made a choice to disobey God. And because of that, you know, the entire human population, because it came from Adam and Eve and it spread it out. Um, we, are all in, we are all affected by that choice. Well, and like... Our world today, there are a lot of things that God has said, hey, this is the way I want it to be, that our world says is okay. And for me, I guess the big thing that I think of, you know, from the Ten Commandments is not to commit adultery. I feel Mm -hmm. like the world says, well, you can go ahead and, like, do it. Just don't get caught. Or you can be in an open relationship because God was like, no, I want it to be between just only two people. Yeah, so we, like... God basically said, hey, don't commit adultery. Um, and he, he, God has his reasons as to why. Mm-hmm. Because I, I truly believe when you commit adultery, God knows how it's going to impact you, how it's going to impact your partner, how it's going to impact the person who you're having the extra marital affair with, and vice versa. Um, the culture says, you know, whatever makes you happy do that so if you have a moment where you're unsatisfied or not happy with your spouse i'm not happy in this moment i'm gonna find happiness elsewhere Mm -hmm. the culture says that's okay god says you know what you need to we talked about reconciliation you need to have reconciliation with your spouse so that that relationship stays intact but i always have to point out that if you are in a relationship where you do not feel safe, like it's a domestic violence situation, like that is not a thing that can be worked out. In that yeah. case, like you need to go, you need to leave, you need to get safe. I would 100% agree. I do not believe God wants us in relationships that are toxic, that are physically, mentally, or emotionally harmful. So in those cases, yes, take the steps to get help to get out of those relationships. So, Jessica's looking something up. She's yeah, frantically flipping through the Bible. I'm My Bible, again, like, I use a kid's Bible. And for the Ten, Ten Commandments, it breaks it down. It says the commandment, what it means, and how I obey it. So, the first four commandments are how I show my love to God. Number one, like, have no gods before me. That means trusting God only. So, for this, because we're looking at having life through Jesus Christ, there are so many things where, because Jesus 
has set an example for us. Like, he knows that, like, hey, we don't want to commit murder because Jesus wants us to be protecting human life. Like, we don't want to steal things because it's not right for us to take something that doesn't belong to us. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like Romans has shown us, though, that Jesus he wants us to live according to God's laws, but he also wants more than that. Like God desires a connection with our hearts mm-hmm. because it's easy to perform actions on the outside, right? It's easy to be like, well, I didn't kill anyone. I haven't committed adultery, but to still be wicked in the heart, God's like, no, I want to heal that too. So what, what God did is he, sent Jesus to die for those sins that we don't see as well as the sins that we do see. And through that, he's bringing reconciliation. And in verse 13, he says, To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. And that's another thing that we looked at last week where the fact that, like, you can't trespass or break a law if there's not a law there. But that doesn't mean that the behavior of sin uh, was not present in the world. Because it was. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't a law to measure it. Um, but there's something that you said that I find really interesting, right? You had mentioned, when you and I were discussing this, this chapter, Jesus bridges the gap between a deity... And humanity. So what I mean by that is God, he is not just a deity, but like the deity. In the Old Testament, we see that there were a lot of other lesser gods with a little g, and he proved that he was the highest among them. And then you have humanity. So you have 100% God and 100% human. Now, we are completely separated from God through our sin. So God sent his only son who was 100% God and 100% man to be able to create a way for us to be reconnected personally with Mm -hmm. our creator. Absolutely. And it's only through Jesus that we're actually able to make that connection with God. Um, Well, and our church talks about this concept a lot of the world has this thing of like, Oh, okay, well, we like Jesus, but we'll do Jesus plus. So Jesus plus something else. Jesus and something else. And that's not what God wants us to do. He has, like, here, here's one way for you. That's it. Yeah. I've always... um, So one of the examples that I always think back on, when I first was studying the Bible, when I was first trying to figure... Uh, not figure it out, but trying to open my mind to what God says through the Bible. Um, I was speaking with my grandmother. My grandmother, um, by some sort of a definition, she was a Christian, right? Like, she knew the Bible. Did she live the Bible out? No. I, I will tell you right now, she did not. She, she had, we, we kind of got in this discussion uh, and this is, I was, this is 15, 12 years ago, 15, that was a long time ago. Anyway, we got in this conversation of like, you know, yes, God does not like sin. He wants us to, to follow him. She believed that we as humans, we decide what is a sin and what isn't. So we, we are only held accountable for the sins that we believe are sins. It doesn't even make sense. And here was my, after I took some time to think about it, here was the logic I had. Let's say, you know, you buy a house and your family moves into the house. Who sets the rules for the house? Typically. The parents? The parents, right? She's looking at me with this confused look on her face. I'm like, where are we going for this? This was not scripted. This, this was not this was off. This was <laughs> off the cuff. So. Oh, before we continue with the house analogy, I just wanted to point out. Uh, my Bible says Romans shows us how Jesus' death makes us right with God 
and how Jesus will help us to live a good life. So, like, as an overview, that's kind of what we're going to be learning over the next few weeks. Absolutely. So, now Back we're... Back to the house. We're so you, so theoretical you buy a house. homeowners. Yeah. Well, you buy a house, you move in, the parents typically make the rules of the house. Why don't kids make the rules of the house? Because kids are not equipped to handle the responsibilities that come with having a house. That's part of it. They're going to want to be like, I can go to bed at midnight and color on the walls. And we know why those things are not good. That's part of it. The way I looked at it was this, right? So if a child or, or somebody, yeah, let's say a child makes the rules for the house, I guarantee they're going to make some fantastic rules. Right? Ice cream for breakfast. No, no. They're oh. actually going to make rules, you know, hey, this is how you how you treat your... They're going to make rules that make sense. But they're going to change the rule once they break it. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Because they don't want to have accountability they don't want the for accountability. their actions. So they'll be like, oh, when, you're in, when you finish eating, you take your plate, you put it in the sink, and then when they actually eat dinner and they toss the plate on the floor, oh, well... Let me backpedal so that I can not get in trouble. I've known some adults who need a refresher in that. And that's my point, right? So God created us, so therefore he makes the rules of like, here's the life I want you to have. You have the choice to make the, make the choices that you have. You have the choice to make choices. You have that opportunity. And we talked about this last week too, how like, People had been taking the law to more of an extreme where it became really more legalistic and they were just focused on what they could do and not the condition of their hearts. Absolutely. And, and you know, so that that's kind of why sin is what it is and why God says, you know what, I am the only way to heaven. I am. But God says, you know what, I'm going to give you a savior who, if you trust in him, let Jesus change your life and walk in that path that he gives you. You, he's paid that price for you. Like it's a good idea to keep the law, but Jesus said that I, that like he meaning Jesus. He said I came to fulfill the law and the prophets that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Like God wants to give us a better life than we would have on our own without him. Absolutely. Um, now, when I say better life, it's not like a prosperity gospel thing, but he just wants our lives to be more enriched. I think the word actually means more fulfilled. Yes. It's not, I have more money, better car, bigger house. I'm fulfilled, content, and happy with my life. And Paul, obviously, if you don't know his backstory, he is a person who knows how to be contented with a little bit and contented with a lot. He's, He's, He's been through the gamut. He's been rich, he's been poor, he's been beaten and left for dead shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. The dude's been through it all. So, yeah. Perfect. There's just a lot. Okay, um, was there anything else that I think that's we it. We, we unpacked a lot. I hope that you're taking notes. I hope you're reading these scriptures and, and getting, um, letting God speak to you on your own. Um, is there anything else we wanted to point out? There was just another note. Again, my Bible, um, is, is for kids, so it puts little side notes in there. <laughs> I, I love, love the I love side the notes. side notes because They're sometimes great. we need them as adults. So my words to treasure says from Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then my did you know, how do we know that God loves us from chapter 5, verse 15? It says God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die in our place to save us from our sins and then to rise again in victory over sin and death. All people who have rebelled against God are sinners, but God gave up his dear son for anyone who will believe. Now that's love. Just like that that concept of like, yes, God loves and cares about us, each one of us so much, when we can't, sometimes we don't even feel like we're worth being cared about, mm-hmm. but like we literally mean the world to God and that's why he sent Jesus who was so precious to be with us. Absolutely. So will you pray us out and then next week we will do Romans chapter 6. Perfect. 
Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and the fact that you died to give us that life and that life more abundantly and that fulfilled life. We pray, God, that we would just walk in that path that you have for us um, and really put our trust and our hope in you. We pray for our listeners um, that they would also just hear your word and, and, and allow your, your word to, to change their life. We pray, God, that you would just be with us this week, that you would walk with us and walk ahead of us, give us the strength to endure everything that we're, we're facing, and really allow us to grow in these difficult times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, feel free to you know, follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Um, and go to BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com for more updates. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.